Dave. Welcome to the Victim to Victory podcast series. My name is Tracy Cook. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms, that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans that have seen hope and risen above those adversities to become victorious, that now support and inspire others to do the same. And today we are giving a voice to Patricia Dussay from Canada. Welcome to Victim to Victory, Patricia. It's great to be here, Tracy. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. Now, we know that we love world changes. We know we love inspirers. And we know that we love people that are showing hope in the communities all around the world. And you are definitely one of them, Patricia. And I'm just going to share with our audience a little bit about you. And then we're going to hand over the platform for your amazing, powerful, inspiring story. So I know that you are a woman who is emerging from trauma, loss or grief, and you're helping other people in that area as well. And I know that even on your website, and we will actually share how to connect with you, I love it on your website how you say, do you sometimes feel broken or discarded? And especially as women, um, that can be a quite a powerful question to sit and ask ourselves in that mirror. And your journey of becoming genuine and becoming a beloved woman, Mm -hmm. and that's what we were created to be, and Mm -hmm. it's never too late. And a lot of your uh, media that I've actually viewed, Patricia, I love that the continuing message is about you're never too old to kind of reinvent yourself that you're never too old to dream another dream. And that's what that was my takeaway of viewing your content. And I would love to know who Patricia is and what is your story. Thank you, Tracy. I'm going to start at uh, age 18. Uh, I'm going to start there. I can always, you can always go back to your childhood, but I'm going to start there. And I'm going to tell just a short story of what happened to me uh, the summer that I was 18. I was on a trip to Quebec City in Canada uh, for a summer, uh, a program to learn French. And during that time when I was there, you know, you're young, you're impressionable. And I was very naive, a very naive 18-year-old. I was with some friends that I met and they were going to a bar. Well, I thought we were going to go there and just be together as friends. And it got to be about one o'clock in the morning. And I realized they were disappearing, going off with some guys. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to do that. I want to go back to the dorm. So I took off. And when I came out into the parking lot, it was one of those parking lots with the huge bright lights, a light so bright that it looks like it's daytime. And in any direction, it was there was nothing, just a wide open parking space. And along came a van up beside me, a, a big brown van. I can still feel the emotion. And I could, uh, one of the guys pulled the side open and, and there were a couple guys in the front and they had made it into a huge bed in the back. And, and they were, he said, do you want us to give you a ride? 
we can take you wherever you want to go. And I was petrified. I knew that skinny little me walking along the middle of that parking lot didn't stand a chance. There was nowhere to run in any direction they could have caught me. So I thought, I'm just going to keep walking. And from an early age, I had a strong faith in God. I was brought up to go to church and Sunday school and believe in prayer. Well, I shot up a prayer right about then. And I don't know if I said it a little like a loud whisper. And I said, God, please help me. If you help me, I will use my voice to encourage others or help others. I meant that. I don't know if those were the words I said, but I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I can that's good in this world if you help me. And I just kept walking along in my, I was sure they could see my heart going like this. And all of a sudden I got the sense that there was something going on and I heard them say, let's get out of here. And they hit the gas and they took off it, just quickly. And I just remember my legs felt like rubber and I just took off running back. And I believe that perhaps God sent, a, I like to call it my parking lot angel, <laughs> and that maybe they saw that God was protecting me because there was no reason in the natural they should have taken off. I just want to share that short story. And I'm going to move up to when I was about the age of 35. I, uh, I noticed there was a lump here in my neck about the size of a grape. And uh, long story short, it was thyroid cancer. So I had surgery um, here to remove half of my thyroid. And by that time, I was married and I had three children, ages two, eight, and nine. So I was a busy wife and mom, spinning all the plates that we do. And um, we got through that. Okay. The cancer came back when I was 40 years old. And my kids are then like 7, 12, 13, and life is even busier. And that time it was a little more serious. It was still a lump right here. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it's back. And, you know, during that time, I had some anxiety and depression and stress just burnt out and just busy, busy. And this just added to it. So I went and had another surgery in the same place to take out the rest of the thyroid. So I thought, okay, that's it. While I'm getting these huge carpet staples out of my neck for that surgery, the surgeon said to me, we've done some more tests on that. We have to go in and do a radical neck surgery in three weeks. So the stitches I'm taking out, we will go back in. And I remember the tears, I was laying down the tears going like this. So in three weeks, I had radical neck, which is surgery from here to here and across to here. So they would remove a muscle and lymph nodes and, and whatever else. I always say it's a good thing my head was light because they took out a muscle that holds your head up. So I, oh, my wow. head was light. So I could still hold my head up after that. But a lot of therapy and a lot of um, recovery after that. So just, just a busy, busy time. So moving on from there, uh, later on, my children were on their own and moved out. I ran into a divorce. My 30-year marriage ended in divorce. And I remember being, of course, broken and shattered. I remember feeling like I was in the middle of the ocean. And again, like that parking lot feeling, looking around in the ocean, nobody coming to my help. It was like I was in a little um, 
little small raft and feeling so alone, looking for a way out and a hand up, but it wasn't there. So uh, at that time I was driving, I went to a, a nearby town, just going through while I was going through that, that divorce, driving from a nearby town and I, I'm a big coffee drinker and I remember feeling tired and I wanted to get a cup of coffee, but I didn't. So I'm on the road. And what happened was I just fell asleep. I just was gone, went off the road. And the next thing I remember is I'm in the median bumping up and down, you know, and my cruise had been on at 120. That That's pretty wow. fast kilometers <laughs> and I'm in the ditch and, and it's not slowing down and I'm, I'm waking up from this and I just say, God help me just like I had done in that parking lot years before. And I heard this little voice touch the brake, which you do when the cruise is on. And I did just in time. And there were one of those crossroads between both highways and the median where you do a U-turn. Had I hit that, I wouldn't be here for sure today. So I stopped in time and, and um, that ended up good. So that was, that was a time. Uh, being very vulnerable, I went into another marriage way too quick. You know, I just lapped up the attention and as sometimes we do. The marriage was a disaster, although some good things happened during those years of my life. So now I'm looking at a second divorce, uh, which was reliving sort of the trauma from the first all in one. So in that sense, it was even worse because I hadn't even been healed from the first one. And I found myself um, in my mother's basement at the age of 61 years old. I felt like a refugee. I had clothes in, in plastic grocery bags in her basement. And I was uh, grateful that she, that I could be there. But I felt homeless in many ways, even though I had had many homes, I felt homeless. And I, during that time, I had the lowest time of my entire life was Boxing Day 2016, where I became suicidal. And I can remember plainly one day picking up a bunch of clothes from the car to carry them into her basement. It was winter. And I dropped some of the clothes and the hangers in the snow. And I remember just standing there in the snow crying, thinking, what have I come to? What has it all been about? You know, what did God save me for back in the parking lot and in, in the, when I went off the road? But I still had faith in him that he could put me back together somehow. And he did. So on Boxing Day 2016, I, I remember driving my car and just thinking, I shouldn't even be here. I'd, I'd do everybody a favor just to drive off a bank somewhere. But I didn't, of course. And I thought, well, there's a couple of humorous things that happened right here. I will call the women's homeless shelter. I did not really want to go back to my mother's that night. I just felt like such a failure and such a loser. So I thought, I'll call the women's shelter. And they said, it was a Saturday night. They said, we don't intake until Monday and you need a referral from a doctor. And I said, okay, that's fine. So I sat in my car for a while and I remember crying on the steering wheel. I thought, I'm just going to, that's it. I'm, I'm just going to find a place to drive up my car off. So I thought maybe I should call that suicide hotline. That's what it's for, you know? So I called it 
and you're not going to believe this. She put me on hold. Oh, wow. <laughs> the suicide hotline hold, please. And I'm there on hold. And I thought just like me to call suicide hotline and they put me on hold. <laughs> wow. Anyway, wow. Um, I, I kept driving. I found myself in the emergency department in the hospital. They put me up in the um, ward for people that are having a mental an emotional breakdown for one night, which was a blessing. And that was the beginning of my way out from the brokenness. That was the bottom. You know, I, I was in the basement, I say, looking for a way out and a hand up. And that was the beginning of it. And I went on from there to to uh, just begin the work of thinking about how I got to where I was. And in February 2017, some friends invited me to Florida for a two-week vacation, a much-needed two-week vacation. And I went, and it was just the most wonderful time. I sat in the sun every day for, for two weeks. I wrote notes and journaled, and I, I began to take some responsibility for my life. Yes, others could be blamed for where I was, but a lot of it depended on my decisions that I made too. So I began to forgive myself, to forgive others, and to do some of the inside work that needed to be done during that vacation. I came back and um, I realized that I was still broken and shattered, but there were some pieces of that brokenness I was going to keep, some I was going to let go. And I began to beautifully put myself back together with God's help, with a lot of prayer and a lot of deep inside work. I really realized that I had self-sabotaged my life a lot during all those years. And so that's why I, I kind of say I go from broken to beloved because I always was beloved by God and by others. I couldn't always see it or feel it. And there's two other things that happened um, as I begin to forgive and and um, climb out one step at a time, one decision at a time of that proverbial basement, if you will. I met my husband, whom I have now, which was, he, it was just a wonderful thing. That was in, in 2017. We spent the next two years um, just enjoying each other's company and feeling young all over again. You know, me having come through my, my, um, cancers and divorces and him having come through one divorce and some losses we just made it work and it was just it was a match made in heaven we like to say so I'm coming to Christmas morning 2020 which is a short 11 months ago I'm downstairs in my happy place where I am now in my office with a cup of coffee having my morning devotions reading my bible and thinking about Christmas day that's coming before me and, and all the events that will take place. And I hear this voice from my husband upstairs and he says, can you come up please? And, and I thought, he doesn't sound ex too excited. It must not be an early Christmas present. And it wasn't really. I went upstairs, put my coffee down, went upstairs. And within a half an hour, he and I were in the emergency department of the local hospital. And six or seven hours later, he was diagnosed with cancer. So this would be just this past Christmas morning. And I'm so glad that I had done some of the work to be whole and put back together 
Because if that had happened years ago, I would have fell apart again, thinking, now what? But I felt somewhat healed and ready. So this last um, 11 months, and we've gone through the, the um, radiation and the chemo, and the, it seems like hundreds of appointments. And we've learned a few things, him and I, this last 11 months. And the things that we've learned are the things I want to share with other women who may find themselves in a basement somewhere, maybe not exactly with my circumstances, but with their own set of circumstances, Tracy, because many women, particularly midlife women, find themselves in that place. And I want to share with them some things that help me get out of there and to get where I am now. And my husband is doing well. He's still not out of the woods, but he's doing well. And now we're looking forward to this Christmas, (laughs) actually having a Christmas day and not being in the hospital. Definitely. And what you've shared so far, Patricia, is, um, you know, not uncommon, but I'm sorry that you had to go through all of that, but I love how you brought it all back and tied it into the lessons that you've learned along the way and taken um, the accountability for your part in some of it as well and that is only a testimony to your personal development and your growth and your self-love because we have to put our own oxygen masks on first if we don't heal ourselves we can't be there to help others through their troubled times so Mm -hmm. in a way your story is just such a blessing and such a blessing to your devotion as well because your your husband now and and obviously we wish him all the best and the healings and the blessings to come uh, especially for the upcoming Christmas but I love how you really recognized and had great awareness around having healed so much that now you can be present and be mindful to help your husband through his stage as well and work through that together and especially as women and you made reference to it we're spinning all of those plates Mm -hmm. so just to take that moment and just sit in the space of that personal growth and to really know who we are and how we can actually help someone else and have that devotion that is a blessing within itself and thank you so much for for sharing that and I'd love to hear what um, what tips you could share with anybody else kind of moving forward with that that as well Yes, for sure. What I've learned to is just to simplify life. And to when you find yourself at the bottom, you, you want to look up and out and forward and not back because, and you take one small step at a time. It might seem insignificant, but even if it's a small step, make sure it's the step forward and not backwards. And enjoy one moment. My husband and I decided to live one moment even at a time, one hour, one day at a time. You know, we don't live in years at a time or even months at a time. We live moments, not days. So live in the moment. It can be a cliche, but you learn after a while that's all we ever have anyway is this moment. Put your faith in God, believe in prayer, and take that next step. And forgive, keep on forgiving yourself and others because you'll have triggers, things will come back. So you have to keep forgiving. Definitely. That is some powerful advice there as well. 
And where are you now in your journey? Because you said you're looking forward to the upcoming Christmas. Uh, your husband um, is, is still on his healing journey as well. What kind of space are you working in at the moment to help others through this as well? Personally, you mean for Christmas or? Um, personally, yeah, personally yeah. and otherwise. We will be with um, our children, you know, his his and mine, and um, just enjoy a simple Christmas, realizing that we may not have been here, either one of us. So however simple it may be to enjoy those moments, time spent with loved ones, it's never about things. It's always about people and relationships. And personally, that, that's, that's huge. That's great. Now, I know that you're actually helping other people as well um, from broken to beloved. Share a little bit, if you don't mind, a little bit about that. It is a work in progress, um, but I'm really excited about it because I'm so passionate about for people coming from trauma, grief, and loss. And as they emerge from the fog of that, and some of the fog clears away, what are some first steps they can do? And as I've mentioned, you know, you just simplify life. You take responsibility. You decide what's important and what isn't important. You, you put up some boundaries, um, not so much to, 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 to keep um, some things outside of your space, but also to keep you from going in places that, that are destructive from you. You know, boundaries work for both just some things like that and just to take them by the hand and encourage them as best I can um, through some of my blogs and an upcoming book I have with that title from broken to beloved and also um, just develop the website in ways I'm not really sure yet how I'm going to do it but this year coming up we're going to develop some some specific programs to encourage some women out there um, so anybody that's listening, uh, there's many, many people that can encourage you. I just want to be one of those voices out there. I love that. You are on the road to helping so many. We wish your husband all the best of a healing journey. And I know that you are definitely making waves in the communities. You are definitely beloved and I love that from broken to beloved I think it encompasses your whole personal story and we thank you so much for being brave uh, to share your story today as well and what is the biggest the biggest message if you could say one thing to the audience today Patricia what would that be that would be um, after I came out of my second surgery the doctor said, when you wake up, you may not have a voice. We may clip the vocal cord, which happens sometimes. So again, I thought I'm going to use my voice. So I would like to say to your listeners, Tracy, use your voice from the platform you're on for good in this world. And it'll come back to you as well. Oh, goosebumps. Absolute goosebumps, Patricia. That is 
so empowering. You are a world changer. You're a thought leader. You speak from your heart. You've overcome adversity and you're going on to help and heal others in the journey. And uh, we'll be sharing where to connect with you. You are so appreciated. And you can find the Victim to Victory podcast series on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and our Facebook group. Please subscribe, share, and comment to help be the change just like Patricia is, that the world actually needs. And let me leave you with a message of figure out who you are and do it on purpose. Thanks for being our guest, Patricia. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. 